Weber, artistic director of Chicago's Porchlight Music Theater. Opening at the Vanderbilt Theater November 18, 1919, Irene, with music by Harry Tierney, lyrics by Joseph McCarthy, and a book by James Montgomery based on his play Irene O'Dare, is set in New York City's Upper West Side and focuses on an immigrant shop assistant who is introduced to Long Island's high society when she's hired by one of its leading grand dames to help redecorate her home. With the end of World War I in 1918, America was seeking entertainment that was light and funny, in direct contrast to the years of seriousness and decimation that had just ended. Irene, with its Cinderella plot, was an immediate success and produced two song standards, Alice Blue Gown and Castle of Dreams. If the latter song sounds somewhat familiar to your classically trained ears, it could be that you remember its melody from Chopin's Minute Waltz, a habit of borrowing from the Polish composer that songwriters Harry Tierney and Joseph McCarthy would continue in I'm Always Chasing Rainbows. Cinderella plots became very popular as a direct result of the success of Irene. Take a moment to run through your minds the various, quote, beautiful but poor girl from the wrong side of the tracks marries rich and handsome young man, unquote, plots of dozens of musicals up through today. Irene ran for 675 performances, at the time the record for the longest-running musical in Broadway history, which it maintained for nearly two decades. It made a star of actress Edith Day, who departed the cast after five months to recreate her role at London's Empire Theatre, where Irene ran for 399 performances. Once in Great Britain, Miss Day stayed in England for the remainder of her career. She was so popular with audiences that a cocktail was named for her. Served in a champagne glass, the Edith Day cocktail contains gin, grapefruit juice, sugar, and an egg white. Irene enjoyed a brief Broadway revival at Jolson's 59th Street Theater in 1923 with Dale Winter as Irene and Walter Regan reprising his original role as Donald. Eventually, there were 17 national touring companies, and it was filmed twice, first as a 1926 silent movie with Colleen Moore, and again in 1940, starring Anna Nagel with Ray Milland, Roland Young, Mae Robeson, Billy Burke, and Arthur Treacher. Here on the May 25th, 1953 episode of The Railroad Hour are Dorothy Warrenschold and Gordon McRae with Jeanette Nolan and Tom McKee in Irene. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And here comes our star-studded show train. charming Broadway musical Irene, starring Gordon McRae and his guest star Dorothy Warren Show. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and the music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. 
Yes, tonight another great musical success is brought to you by the American Railroad. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is our star, Gordon McRae. Thank you, Marvin Miller, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, we're bringing you the story of one of the loveliest young ladies in the history of the musical stage. Her name, Irene. And Dorothy Warrenshold is here to play that unforgettable gal. I'm a fellow named Donald Marshall, and my hobby is collecting money. The whole thing opens right in the middle of a party at my Fifth Avenue mansion. And by the way, you're all invited. As you all know, our latest fad here on Fifth Avenue is genealogy. That means, of course, tracing our family backgrounds, family trees until we find William the Conqueror. You know, sometimes you climb your family tree and all you find is bark. That's called barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> In the art of genealogy, we find the pedigree of your family tree. And if it's what it ought to be, but in the cousin or an aunt we knew your tree when it was a plant we can make them what your family turns with a coat of arms worth showing Sure. You see, I've put a lot of money into a new shop, uh, a modiste, Madame Lucy. I brought her from Paris, but uh, nobody's heard of her yet. Well, what can I do? Well, the secret of this business is to get good-looking young girls to wear clothes where other people will see them. Then uh, they inquire who made them, and uh, the ball is rolling. Well, Bob, it's rather a delicate subject to suggest to a gal that she changed her modiste. She might think, uh, I didn't like her clothes. Well, I, 
I guess I'll think something. I beg your pardon, Mr. Marshall. Yes, Clarkson. There's a girl from the shop about the seat cushions on the veranda. You remember you complained they were made too small. I'll be right out, Clarkson. Excuse me, Bob. Oh, yes, yes, sir, of course. Well, these cushions seem okay to me. Well, hello. Hello. Mr. Marshall here wished to complain about the cushions. The Clarkson. Yes, Mr. Marshall. Uh, Clarkson, you can go. But, but, but the complaint? I have no complaint. Yes, sir. What's your name? I'm the girl from the shop, Irene O'Dare. I know your name. It's Marshall. You know, you're one of the loveliest girls I've ever seen. Oh, no. Not in this old shirtwaist and this 98-cent hat. I hope you don't mind, but I've been peeking at all the really lovely girls at your party. Oh, those gowns. Oh, they're dreamy. Gowns don't make any difference. Oh, yes, they do. I had a gown once. It was Alice Blue. You One of the come. women who comes into our shop gave it to me. It was just a cast-off, but do you know that it originally cost $85? Well, now, imagine that. Well, I took it home and pressed it and fluffed it up, and, oh, I felt like a princess. Well, where's the gown now? It's gone. I wore it out. It just faded away. Oh. Oh, I wish you could have seen me in it. It was so wonderful. I even used to put it on a hanger. I once had a gown. It was almost new. Oh, the daintiest thing. It was sweet and blue. With little forget-me-nots placed here and there. When I had it on, I walked on the air. And it wore, and it wore, and it wore. Till it went, and it wore.
wonderful. Oh, clothes make a lot of difference to a girl. Even if I do live on 9th Avenue, I love beautiful things. I've got a great idea. Uh, my mother says I should be careful when strange young men get ideas. Well, now, don't worry about that. Listen, I'm going to see that you get not $85 dresses, but $300 dresses. Three hundred dollars? Why, you're going to look like a million dollars. And it won't cost you a penny. Oh, gee. Now, listen closely, Irene. Have you ever heard of Pygmalion and Galatea? They are vaudeville team? No, no, no. <laughs> he was a sculptor and she was a statue. But she was so lovely and so fascinating that he fell in love with her. He decked her out in the most beautiful raiment. She came to life. And they loved each other forever after. Oh, I don't believe it. We're going to deck you out, Irene, with gowns and jewels and hats and slippers. You're going to be Cinderella. You're going to be Galatea. Oh, gee whiz. How much do you make a week at the shop? $15. Well, you're making $25 a week right now. And all you have to do is wear beautiful clothes, go to parties, and tell everybody you bought them in Madame Lucy's. Like a dream. Remember, it's our secret. We'll start the ball rolling right now. Bob! Hey, Bob! I think I have the answer to your problem. No, I'm putting my foot down. Oh, Mother! Why, a girl in this very tenement house is a model for clothes and hats, and it was a ruin. She got used to fine feathers and wanted to be a fine bird. Well, you know what she turned into? An old crow. All right, Mother, all right. And didn't I have enough experience with your old man? He had to get a job in a distillery. Oh, daughter, did he love his work. <laughs> like everything they made. Never hurt him until it killed him. Yes, Mother. Now, where are you going with that black look on your face? Just out to sit on the fire escape. Oh, gee... I guess all a gal can do is dream. I shut my eyes and my ears. This isn't a fire escape at all. It's the rampart of a castle. We build our castles in the air and bid the world go by. So half the time we're living here, we're dreaming into the sky. In dreams cans over there, and, and that isn't Mr. Mahooley's washing flapping in the wind. It's Mr. Marshall. Don, on a white horse, come to serenade me. There's a castle in our dreams Where we place our hopes and all our fancies
what Mama says. I'm going to be that Galatea gal. Madam Lucy, slippers, stockings, hats and gloves, under things, over things, everything. For Mademoiselle Irene O'Dare. Design a gown. The most beautiful gown this town has ever seen. Uh, Mademoiselle O'Dare. Do you have a color preference? Oh, yes. Blue. Alice Blue. Oh, Don, you've solved my problem. She's sensational. Such poise. Such breeding. Oh, yes. You always said that yourself. Breeding always shows. Uh, Don... Odair family is that? Uh, the Odairs. You don't mean it. Yes, I do. Well, Don, I tell you, she's so fascinating that I'm positively falling in love with her. <laughs> All the other men at this party seem to have the same idea. Just listen. <laughs> Gentlemen, please, one at a time. Oh, I'm having a lovely time. <laughs> It's as it should be, Miss O'Dea, because we all think you're the loveliest girl in the world. Gentlemen, I thank you. I only hope that at midnight I don't turn into a pumpkin. short, the answer was the railroads, the magic key which unlocked and opened up for settlement, cultivation, and development the new lands west of the Mississippi. Yes, and today America's railroads are still the cornerstone of transportation in this country. They move more tons of freight, more miles, than all other forms of transportation combined, and do so at a lower average charge than any other form of general transportation. And just as the rich dividends which the Louisiana Purchase have paid the nation could not have been realized without the construction of the railroads, so the country could not continue to prosper and develop without the continuing existence and efficient operation of the railroads, the nation's number one form of transportation. Hi, this is Porsche Lights Marketing Associate Justin Coker. Thank you for listening to WPMT. If you value programming like this, please consider making a donation today at porchlightmusictheater.org. We appreciate your consideration and hope you enjoy the show. Here is act two of the Lawrence and Lee version of Irene, starring Gordon McRae as Donald Marshall and Dorothy Warrenschold as Irene. <laughs> Business is booming. Every woman in town is buying her clothes at Madame Lucy's, and all because Irene has been the toast of every party. Well, I'm happy that you're happy. Oh, you have no idea. I, uh, I'm in love with a girl, too. I've asked her to marry me. 
Yeah? Mm -hmm. What did she say? Well, she said she let me know. But, uh, meanwhile, I've been investigating her family tree. Oh? What'd you find? Well, I've had the top genealogy expert make out a chart. Paid him $500. Don, it proves she's an aristocrat. $500? Bob, if you paid a thousand, they would have said her father was the Prince of Wales and her mother was Queen of Romania. You, um, don't approve of genealogy? Now, what good is a fancy family tree? Makes you feel like a potato. This part of you is underground. Well, all right, here's the hotel history. All on this scroll. Let me have that. Uh, I'll be right back. Irene! Oh, Irene! I'm right here, Mr. Marshall. Oh, you having fun? Oh, yes. I wish it could last forever. You know, I've kept a diary, so if anything happens, I'll have something wonderful to read about, at least when I'm an old lady. You know what I have here? The history of your family. Oh, dear. Does it tell about Pop and the distillery and, and about Uncle Gus and the Jersey cops? No, no, no. Look, it's, it's all about queens and princesses in Ireland. It's all poetry. Oh, it's like a fairy story, and I'm in it. Once a king of Normandy When a queen of Arcady Then they settled o'er the sea Seamus came, then Kathleen Sham was born, and then Eileen Michael came before Eileen Irene, a little bit of salt and sweetness Irene, a dainty slip of rare completeness Mannerism, magnetism, eyes of youth and fighting Dancing by with glancing eye, the flush of her exciting Siren, the sword who captures hearts to charm them Careful, beware Now she's here, now she's there, followed by her set Up she goes, down she goes, everybody's pet Of Tippity Witch Irene O'Dare. and be a statue again? Or could she keep on pretending she was a girl and, and keep on being in love with him? You know something? I think he was the one who had to pretend because she was so very beautiful that he never thought he was worthy of her. Golly.
Bob. What's up? Well, the party's almost over, and I'd like the last dance with the most beautiful girl here. I'm awfully sorry, Bob. I promised it to Don. <laughs> you know, I always said the last part of a party was the most fun of all, Bob. Oh, the last part of every party is the real part, the best of all. To tarry, raise old Harry, as the wheels are growing small. going on here. Oh, Mother. Mother? Mother, how did you get here? That fine Irish cab driver whose news is on the corner of 8th Avenue told me where you've been hying off to, my fine lady. So this is why you quit your job in that shop. To mix with these swells. I'll come home with you right now, Mother. I should think so. Get out of those fine feathers and come back to roost on 9th Avenue. Irene. Don't say anything, Don, please. Well... This certainly changes the whole picture. I obviously can't marry you now. Well, nobody asked you to. Oh, uh, what if a guy like me stood in line and waited? And maybe someday if she thought he was good enough for her, then, well, maybe she'd want to go through life with him. Hmm? Do you hear that, Mama? Mr. Pygmalion here is asking me to marry him. It sure sounded that way. You have lovely ears, Galatea. That sounds preserve us. Look at them, too. They're in love. Oh, yes, Mama. And it's just like in a fairy tale.
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Lovely Dorothy Warren Show will be back in just one moment. In the meantime, our thanks to Jeanette Nolan, Tom McKee, and to our entire company. Irene with music by Harry Tierney, book by James Montgomery, and lyrics by Joseph McCarthy, was dramatized for the Railroad Hour by Lawrence and Lee. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this same time by the American Railroads. Marvin? Many factors work together to make the Louisiana Purchase pay. The natural resources of the territory, the ventures of the pioneers, the vigor and determination of the settlers, and the initiative and ingenuity of men and women by the millions. But it's safe to say that none of these factors, nor all of them together, could have produced the magnificent result we see today had there not come into being at just the right time a system of high-volume, low-cost, self-supporting transportation by rail. And it is equally safe to say that the productiveness and prosperity of the purchase could not continue without the continued services of the railroads. Thank you, Marvin. And now here again is our delightful guest, Dorothy Warren Show. Thank you, Gordon. Oh, it was really great fun. Well, Dorothy, we liked you so very much that we want you to come back next week and the week after that. And the week after that. Oh, invitation accepted. What are we singing next week? You just listen. That's right, Dorothy. We're going to do a brand new musical version of Sir James M. Barry's wonderful romance, Quality Street. Oh, can I be Phoebe Throssell? Well, you can be Phoebe Throssell if you let me be the dashing mm, Captain Brown. <laughs> Sounds like it'll be fun on Quality Street. See you Monday, Gordon. Good night, Dorothy. All aboard! Well, dear friends, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. And so until next week in the Railroad Hour premiere of Quality Street, this is your friend Gordon McRae saying good night. transcribed by special arrangement with the Tams Whitmark Music Library. Gordon McRae may soon be seen co-starring in By the Light of the Silvery Moon in Technicolor. Our choir was under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music was prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Until next week, this is Marvin Miller saying good night for the American Railroad. Now stay tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC. In 1971, the Broadway revival of the 1925 musical No No Nanette with film star Ruby Keeler proved to be a hit. Its producer, Harry Rigby, decided to cash in on the nostalgia craze by reviving another vintage show with another glamorous movie star as its centerpiece, zeroed in on Irene, engaging Debbie Reynolds to make her Broadway debut in the title role. Rigby hired librettist Hugh Wheeler to rework the show, which retained only five of the original songs and added new tunes. Actor John Gielgud was hired to direct. The production was troubled from the beginning. Actor Billy DeWolf withdrew due to illness and was replaced by George S. Irving as Madame Lucy.
Reviews in Toronto were mixed, and when Reynolds was stricken with a throat ailment, the producers, rather than cancel the sellout performances, had her mime her dialogue and songs on stage to Gielgud's reading of them from the wings, much to the dismay of angry audiences. Philadelphia critics were brutal, and Gielgud, an odd choice for a lightweight musical comedy in the first place, was replaced by director Gower Champion. Postponing the Broadway opening, the producers brought the work in progress to Washington, D.C., where it was seen by President Nixon and his family. Their declaration that Irene was a hit made headlines and spurred advanced ticket sales in New York City. After 13 previews, the revival opened on March 13, 1973, as the inaugural production of the Minskoff Theater, where Irene once again set box office records. Theaters across the country need your support now more than ever. We hope you'll consider a donation to Porchlight Music Theater today. Just go to porchlightmusictheater.org. Until next time on Classic Musicals from the Golden Age of Radio, I'm Michael Weber. Music